Hello, hello, hello. You know, STEM is a collective set of booming industries and they are a part of what's powering our economy and all of our technological advancements today. So I have a question for you. Where are all of the women? Let's talk about it coming up today on the Coffee with Rhonda show. Let's get started. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Coffee with Rhonda show. Hello to you wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, whether you are watching live or watching on the replay. We are so glad you're here. Coffee with Rhonda show is a show where leaders, entrepreneurs, coaches, we get together and we discuss the ups and downs, the goods and the bads and the challenges of being a leader with a life in today's world. This is episode 45 and today we are discussing women and STEM. So I am going to bring up our amazing panel. We are going to have a fantastic conversation today, and I am truly looking forward to it. So as we get started today, um, I want to just set a few quick reminders for everyone. So you all know how this goes, right? We go through our housekeeping items and uh, help us get sort of state organized here. So don't forget, as you join, tell us where you're watching from and tell us what you got in your cup. Don't forget to comment. We Your comments power the show. We include them. They drive our conversation. And take a moment right now to like the video and share the video. There is someone else out there who needs to hear this message. And if you watch later on or you listen on the podcast, we love reviews. So with that being said, I want to give a big shout out to our uh, YouTube subscribers last week, uh, both Faust and Kern subscribed. So thank you so much for subscribing. We appreciate you. And as we get started today, my name is Rhonda Y. Williams. I'm the host for the show, and I am known as an R-Soul. That is a recovering stressed out leader. But today, I am an elite leadership coach helping executives and entrepreneurs decide it's time to stop the madness, reduce stress, and live a more fulfilled leadership life. So what I have in my cup today is I have my special cup called Boss Lady, and I have coffee with a touch of ginger in my cup today. So that's what's going on for me. We're going to go around and we're going to introduce our co-hosts and we're going to introduce our special guest joining us today all the way from India. So Ms. Roz, good morning to you this morning. What you got in your cup? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I have a cup that's called Nine to Five Killers. Ooh. Nine to Five Killers, yes. We, we, we're going to get off our nine to five. And so in, in my cup, I have um, my, my regular peppermint tea, honey, and lemon. That's what I have in my cup. <laughs> awesome. And who are you, Roz? I'm Roz. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Roz Jones, the CEO and owner of Jacksonville's Best Caregivers, where we provide four levels of specialized care to your loved ones, sitter, homemaking companion, home health aide, and certified nursing assistant. Why do I do it? I do it to help that caregiver get rid of that SOS and caregiving, which is stress, being overwhelmed, and providing safety and security for your loved one. When you can't do it all, give her a call. Give call. Us a call. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, good evening to you, Marae. Hello. Hello. Who are you and what you hello, got? Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm Marae. Marae based in Perth in Australia. Today, my voice is not the best, but I couldn't miss this conversation because that's <laughs> one of my, you know, best subjects. So I'm Marae. I'm uh, an entrepreneur. I am in STEM. I'm a woman in STEM because I'm a petroleum engineer 
And I also, you know, coach people to understand that they have greatness inside of them and to push themselves to be the best version of themselves. And I do it focusing on women in non-traditional industry in STEM. So today is my day. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Thank and you so I much, Ray. And it's going to be water today to be able to keep my voice and because I don't want to lose my voice for this conversation. So thank yes. you welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, even with your voice. Uh, we appreciate having you here. Um, and uh, I see some comments out there. We're going to come back to those in a second. So, but Dr. Shawley, welcome to the show. Uh, we are so great. Uh, happy to have you. Let me unmute your mic. We are so happy to have you and tell us a little bit about you briefly. Who are you? And then tell us what you have in your cup. Oh, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. Uh, to be on this platform with the wonderful ladies out there. Well, I'm Dr. Shauli Mukherjee. I'm from India. And it has almost been 23 years now that I am in the education sector. Uh, I have been the principal of some of the international, reputed international schools in West Bengal, India, uh, among which two schools have been exclusively founded by me as the founder principal. And one among them happens to be the first STEM school in West Bengal, which was eventually awarded for being the second best international day school in the entire West Bengal region. Yeah. Additionally, I would like to say that currently I am the director of School of Education and Dean Student Affairs at one of the premier universities of Eastern India. Additionally, I'm associated with uh, premier educational organizations across India and globally in senior advisory role and capacities. And I'm also a thought leader and a motivational speaker. And today I have hot coffee in my cup and I'm really looking forward to this wonderful discussion with all of you today. Thank you. Wonderful, oh thank you so much. Uh, for joining us. So can you see why this this conversation is going to be great? We're going to cover a lot of, of uh, ground here. So thank you for those out there tuning in. Nima is tuning in. She says, oh, I love this intro. Thank you for recognizing our new intro. That was a new one. First time premiering today. So thank you so much, Nima. And uh, Raj Jones also. I see you out there, Raj. Raj said that intro is hot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then also, Anima is uh, from Philly and says, I have a cup of peach tea. Oh, that sounds delicious. A cup of peach tea. And so let's get started, right? Let's get our conversation started. So as I was thinking about this, um, I was thinking about women and women in STEM. And STEM is such a booming industry right now, right? There's so much happening in the STEM field. Um, but we know that we want... I, Every time I hear STEM, I also hear we need more women. We need more women in STEM. So I want to set the context um, with another new, there's two new segments that we're going to do today. One is called uh, Leadership Above the Grind. And that's where we take a look at a quote and something to set the context and get us started. Later, as we wrap up, our ending uh, segment will be the What's in Your Cup segment. And so that will be our key takeaways, what we want to leave people with from our discussion. So I wanna share with you first, let's move to uh, the leadership above the grind and take a look at our quote for today. So this quote is um, by Mae Jamison, the first African-American woman astronaut in space. And the quote says, don't let anyone rob you of your imagination, your creativity or your curiosity. It's your place in the world. It's your life. Go on and do all you can with it and make it the life you want to live. I love that quote because I constantly hear, you know, that we need more women in STEM. We meet, need more women in STEM. And absolutely, if uh, if that is where your heart is, is that is if that is what you desire, then we should absolutely be doing that. So um, with that context, ladies, let's start with where are all the women in STEM? 
<laughs> where where are they? And Roz, I'm going to defer to uh, Murray and Dr. Shally first on this, and then we're going to backtrack to you and I to add our com our thoughts to this mix. So um, let's start with you, Murray. Um, where are all the women in STEM? Where are the women in STEM? That's that's always been the question. But uh, I must say, you know, uh, because I'm myself a woman in STEM, I've been a woman in STEM for more than 25 years now. And what I've seen, I mean, things have actually evolved, you know. At, uh, when I, I started in STEM, there were not enough women actually entering the STEM sectors. So that was the, the key problem. So we did some work. There have been a lot of, you know, campaign and, uh, and, and also mentoring, coaching. And we, we were able to bring this number up. But now the problem is we lose them. They come in and then in the middle of their career we lose them because there's for different reason and we call it the leaking the leaking pipeline and i think the key problem we have right now is this leaking pipeline where we can't retain the woman so which means that whatever we gain at the beginning we lose so the women are still you know the number are still the same or they're not progressing as far as we want so and the question is you know where are they going what are the reasons that they are leaving those you know uh, uh stem and there are different reasons sometimes it's personal reason sometimes it's personal it's it's professional reason but uh, what i've seen is that you know when uh women start their families it becomes really a, a problem and i went through it myself when i decided to start a family after uh, two years entry STEM, I started to have problem with my, my immediate supervisor where he was starting to question if I was going to be able to still perform. And that was really a uh, hard one, you know, because they, he was really pushing and to, to make sure that I could do that. So I had to manage the whole thing, the whole balance, but some women just don't take it and they say, oh, okay, no. we just choose and then we leave. So that's one reason. The second reason is some women actually uh, at some point are stuck and that's this uh, ceiling that we, you know, uh, the, the ceiling that we're talking about. They're stuck, they can't go anywhere anymore, so they just give up. They just give up and uh, they start doing other things and that's, uh, that's really a shame. And mm -hmm. it's important, but the women are there. I mean, when you go to universities, they are there. I mean, there's a parity, and sometimes more women in, in STEM studying, but it's just this transition to the professional uh, wow. you know, uh, uh, sector, which is a, a real problem. So, so it's so interesting. So, Dr. Shally, is that your experience as well? So, Marie, you touched on a couple of really important things. You're saying you're seeing them come in. But then a lot of times during this leaky, leaky pipe line, um, we're losing them. And so, Dr. Shelley, is that what you're seeing as well? Uh, Rhonda, I would like to say that every education system in the world actually follows a hierarchy. With maths and science at the top, then comes humanities, and at the lower rung come arts. Even in arts, we have a kind of a hierarchy where we have art and music at the top and dance and drama at the lower rung. So our current education system, we have to understand this, that it has emerged out of the demands and needs of the 19th century industrialization. And hence the subjects that were required to work in that particular system have been placed at the top rung. So this actually exactly matches with the set stereotypes and stratifications that we have in our societies with the men at the top and the women at the lower rung. So hence, science, technology, engineering, and maths, these disciplines are considered to be highly intellectual pursuits requiring more of intelligence quotient, IQ, reasoning, logic, critical analysis in which you know, these are considered to be the prerogatives of men, basically. And women are considered fit for disciplines which require more emotional quotient, empathy, artistry, cooperation, collaboration, and a host of so-called soft skills. Now, even in the present context of the global pandemic, 
women have been disproportionately burdened with child care, with elder caregiving and domestic responsibilities. Significant research reports have already indicated that domestic and emotional labor disparities affect the women scientists' productivity, which is likely to have a long-term effect on their careers. Mm. And if I would like to add that girls have fewer role models to inspire their interest in STEM fields, seeing limited examples of female scientists and engineers in books, in media, and popular culture. So all this have actually collectively shaped the present context of so many less women being in the STEM field. Mm, wow, that is really powerful. And, you know, it's there's so much there. So this is uh, what Dr. Shelley and I were talking about before we even went on air is um, this is a complex issue. And there's mm -hmm. multiple factors that we have to deal with. It's not just one. We see and we think we understand a lot of them, but I think in order to really fix it, we've got to go deeper. So, so Roz, you know, in, in some of what Dr. Shawley uh, said and, and what Moray described as well, uh, some of it is stereotyping, right, that goes on and that happens. And, uh, and gosh, it, that's from very young, right? I, go, I always go back to what do we say to little girls that, oh, do, what do you want to be a nurse? Or we never say, you know, an astronaut or, you know, we never say, do you want to be an engineer when you grow up, right? Those are fields that we talk to little boys about. So Roz, do you, do you, how, what role do you really think that we play in the community in terms of how we talk about these types of careers? When we talk about those types of careers, as you said before, it never was we could be an astronaut. We could be a lead scientist. We could win the Nobel Peace Prize for, you know, discovering, you know, the, the technology for, for, you know, to cure COVID. We never were told because we only saw men in these positions. Not, 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 only, not only in these positions, but also in corporate, also in the church. You know, this, 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 this goes even further. Yeah. Because even in all hierarchy, we have only seen men and women have been suppressed to where they're only caregivers, they're caregivers, their wives, their Sunday school teachers, their teachers, their nurses, these type of things. So a lot of times if we did break those barriers, as we're seeing movies and history, the history books finally acknowledging, yes. There were women that helped with NASA and, and these different things, you know, with the space and all of this. But we're talking about women that, you know, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, it was kept quiet. Women have been doing things for a long time, but it has been kept quiet. It, it has been kept quiet. Right. You know, so uh, a part of that is, and, and I said, we have to take our own accountability. We didn't speak out. Mm -hmm. We didn't speak out when we did get into those positions. We didn't speak out. So part of that is us. But then the other part is if we talk about the emotional part. And I'm glad we're talking about that because as we're coming up on May is Mental Health Month. You know, if I did speak up, what was going to be the emotional backlash? The financial backlash that was going to cause emotional and stress. What was some of the backlash that was going to happen? If I did step out and I'm the first one or I'm the only one or I'm smarter than a man, does that make me, you know, um, you know, in, 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 in some categories, you know, oh, she's she thinks she's all of that. So there was a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of pieces in this that cause women either not to go into it or not to talk about it because I'm in a position now to help other women. And a lot of times women have not been in that position to say, hey. I'm doing this, come along with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there is something important about having someone that looks like you, mm -hmm. right? Having someone that looks like you, that can help lift you, that can help you get through those tough days. So you can go to someone and say, can you believe what I just heard, <laughs> right? Can you believe that this was just said? We don't have those people and it can create, being the only 
-hmm. is a tough place to be. Yes, it is. Right. It's a tough place to be. So when we decide now, so we've got more women going into this field. We've got them, you know, really stepping up and saying, gosh, I'm interested in problem solving and all of these different skill sets that are not typically seen as a, a woman type of skill. And we go into these fields. How do we use our voice? Uh, because now we're in the field. We're in this environment that can be sort of I heard it described as I was listening to something earlier as the boys club. Right. Mm -hmm. So now you want to be in the boys club. And that comes with certain um, challenges, <laughs> let's just say, right? When you think you're entering the boys club. So what are some of those uh, challenges? Like, what do you think women experience in those and how do they use their voice to begin to move past this? Um, and and it, it's, it drives me a little bit crazy to always hear, well, women just need to be strong. Well, how about people take accountability for their behavior? Right. Is it always us being strong? Like, yes, we've got to be able to handle some of these things. But it's also, I think, on their ownership and the responsibility of people to adjust their behavior so that they create more welcoming environment. So um, so what what can we do if you go in this environment and you're hearing um, comments? How do you use your voice, Dr. Shali, in that respect? What do you do? So Rhonda, I feel that uh, this is not something which starts only when uh, uh, the women they step into the STEM careers. It starts right from the very childhood, mm -hmm. you see. Mm -hmm. So uh, as parents, as educators, and as responsible adults, we have to take responsibility in developing that growth mindset in our children. And we have to stop focusing more on the outcome. And we have to, you know, we really have to focus more on the process. Now, in the process, there, there, there is a lot of learning. There's a lot of failures. There are a lot of mistakes. So the process is very important. We have to give due importance to the process and not only on the outcome. Now, what normally happens is that uh, we have seen that uh, even as a child, if, uh, you know, a particular child, he or she is not you know, has not done very good in science and maths, they don't pursue it. I mean, that is okay if their interest was not there. But if the interest was there and the brain has told them that they're not good enough for that, and as responsible adults, we have not shifted their language. We have mm -hmm. actually done a disservice mm -hmm. to our children. Mm -hmm. So it all starts from the childhood. I mean, if you see a child, a child is a natural moonshot thinker. Right. A child is not yeah. scared to take any risks. He or she is an inherent risk taker, not afraid and not scared to, uh, you know, to do any mistakes or to fail. So it is, it is the problem lies with us when we start stigmatizing failures and mistakes and stop realizing the fact that both failures and mistakes are essential components of a learning experience. So. We have to understand that creativity is as important as literacy. We are supposed to educate our children in creativity. We're not supposed to educate them out of creativity because the world doesn't need mechanically trained minds, which are loaded with facts and figures, which are you know, systematically uh, you know, formulated to think alike. No, that is not what the world requires. The world requires, irrespective of gender, minds which are capable of out-of-the-box ideation and divergent thinking. So that is what the world requires. So we can do a lot of things, Rhonda, I feel, but we have to allow these young children more time, which they can effectively utilize in, you know, in, in, in following their curiosity, in sharing, in exchanging, mm -hmm. and in pursuing experimenting with their novel and their unique ideas. Right. We also have to understand that if you want to raise a generation of creative problem solvers, you must give them ample opportunities to pursue the three essential P's, and that is play, passion, and purpose. It wow. is play, passion, and purpose that actually makes someone really creative. We also have to encourage the young minds not only to seek innovative solutions to the problems, but also to spot 
inherent problems in existing solutions. We also have to give them choice and voice to determine what, how, and where they would want to learn. So the responsibility and ownership of their learning and the decisions for their lives that rest on them. So we have to give them that choice. We have to give them that voice. Wow. So Dr. Shelley, there is so much in what you just said. And Marae, I'm going to come to you next, but I want to acknowledge. Um, hi, Casey. Thank you so much for joining us. He said, I'm late to the conversation, so this might be out of context, but women just need to be strong is placing a condition and how people have to show up. Um, it's antithetical. <laughs> I can't pronounce the word. It's antithetical to uh, psychological safety. Casey, that's where I was just going to go. Are you reading my mind, uh, Casey? And uh, Casey was just on the show last week. If you guys haven't checked out that show, it was a phenomenal. Um, and then uh, and then, mom's out there. Mom says, good morning, panel. And Dr. Shali agreeing with Roz, the intimidation factor has long been an issue for women. <laughs> I know. I think, Mom, you you rung the bell or something. Something happened just now with that comment. But anyway, <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. But anyway, I really wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So to Casey's mm -hmm. point, that psychological safety, Marae, how do we how do we create that psychological safety? So as Dr. Shelley said, we have not done a good job as parents and educators instilling that in the beginning, right? And, and fostering that creativity and empowering the voice. So now you fast forward, I'm in this field that's male dominated, it's a little bit toxic at times. Uh, and now how do we begin to help create the context for this psychological safety. Uh, Marae, what do you think? You know, you know sometimes, and, and, and I fully agree with uh, Dr. Shirley, it's, you know, it starts at home. It starts where, you know, the environment where we, you know, we start with children and girls. We, we, the parents, without knowing it, they already condition the, the, their girls. And I think that's where, you know, we need to start. But then, you know, down, down the road when, because you're talking about when you enter now, you know, these boys clubs and uh, what I've seen as well, and, uh, and, and it's a mindset problem is as women, we already come with uh, excuses on, you know, telling ourselves because it's a male dominated environment, because it's recognized to be, you know, uh, because society said that, you know, that, that are, those are jobs for men, we already condition ourselves that way, which is not the right thing because we have to come into it as professional. We're there because we have the skills, we're there because we're gonna make a difference in those industry. And when we condition ourselves that way, it becomes a little bit more you know, uh, manageable because you come, you come strong basically because you, you don't look at yourself as missing something. Mm -hmm. You look at yourself more uh, adding something and i think that's the mindset that we have to go into and that's you know i was victim myself of you know coming as a victim as a you know already ha having a fear because i was a woman before i was a black woman and there were men around me and then i just realized that you know i was there because they needed me so that's really what we have to uh, build on really build on the fact that we are here to make a difference we are here to help the, the industry and show it because that's that's really what it is and at at a certain point what, what's happening is that you get challenged by your male colleagues but because you are focused and you show them that you can uh, you know uh, create results now they start to respect you and I think the gender just disappear, but you have to cross this. And that's where, you know, most women stay stuck. They stay stuck in the victimhood. They stay stuck in what has been done before. And, 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 uh, and I agree with Dr. Shirley, we shouldn't focus on the result, focus on the process and keep pushing and, and prepare your mindset to show exactly what you're adding more than what you're missing. And I think that's, uh, that's really how you create this safety net. Because as soon as you start to look at yourself as, you know, uh, you don't have this, you're not a man, you're not, 
it actually puts you in, in the back in the in the backbone so you have to come in it as you know yes i'm a woman but i'm i'm bringing something different and this something different is going to help the industry it's going to help all of us so that's what you know and tell the men tell them use your voice because if you don't use your voice then you you get you know you get forgotten tell your voice and uh, to help other women show come and show talk to them uh, if then there's no role model position yourself as a role model because okay. as we know uh, when we can when we can see it we can we can believe it so right. if they see you they're gonna come you don't have to tell anything mm -hmm. they're just gonna see what you do they're just gonna see the impact that you're creating and straight away they're gonna say okay i also want to be in in stem i want to be like this person who looks like me and okay. you know that you can do it and you can even do better because this person has already created the path for you to 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 start on a better you know on a better foot well it, it is really powerful um that we can we can manage we get to choose how we deal with these situations. Mm -hmm. We get to choose how we navigate these environments. And even ones where we don't feel like we really have that psychological safety, what we do with that is up to us, right? Yeah. We we get to choose uh, that. I wanna share um, this one other clip because I thought, and then Roz, I'm coming to you on the other side of this clip uh, to get your reactions because we know that, um, you know, some of the ways that people get treated, um, it's real. Right. And so I think a part of all of this is preparing our women, our girls um, for how do what do I say if someone says X to me? How how can I respond while remaining cool, keeping myself collected, but also pointing out that, hey, this is not OK. Right. And, and maybe you didn't intend this, but this is how I felt and this is how I took it. So I'm going to share this brief clip um, and hopefully you all can let me turn it up and make sure you can hear it. Um, can you see the screen with the lady on it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you. It's cute that you're here. Oh, it's you know wonderful that someone that looks like you thinks you can you know be a critical thinker or a problem solver, and it's just kind of something I've gotten used to. Someone who I one time worked with, he wouldn't let me type. Like he was my partner on this project, and he just kept pulling the laptop away and just doing all the work. And he'd be like, "Oh, you're too slow." That happened a, a few times with different people. As a tooling engineer, I would get called to the assembly line anytime they had an issue putting something together, it didn't fit right. I'd go down to the line. I was like, hey, you know, I heard there was an issue. Um, to which the response I received was, well, we actually called an engineer. So I ended up having to play it off a little with a joke and say, you know, oh, well, sorry, I didn't wear my engineer hat today, but I promise I'm a girl. My fellow coworker would go and say, oh, hey, I'm your engineer. They would never get questioned. I was very hurt because it's something I had worked for really hard. Here I am to help and serve. And the whole reason I became an engineer was to help solve problems. And yet these people questioned my ability in order to do so. When I was at my first job, I asked for some technical feedback one time. I had manager who gave me a bunch of really soft skills things like maybe you should clean your desk or keep your desk less cluttered like people perceive you negatively because of that there were a lot of people who worked there whose desks were also cluttered a lot of them were male i don't think that they've ever they ever got that kind of feedback i came out of that meeting very upset i was just like i want some technical feedback i want someone to like help me improve and all i'm getting is you should clear your desk in the engineering industry, a lot of times I'll get feedback that I'm too aggressive, that my emails are too direct, that, you know, if I get upset or tell someone I'm disappointed in them, it automatically goes into, well, why are you being emotional or don't get upset? When in reality, it's I have a high expectation and this is what I'm asking to be met. I had just. All right. So I wanted to share that um, because I thought it was some really good examples and illustrations of uh, what we're talking about when we talk about the culture. Um, I also think it's important that we share um, uh, these clear examples and illustrations because what we know about um, any, uh, not any, but a lot of um, discriminatory type of practices, sometimes people don't recognize it because it's not directed at them. Or they just think, oh, well, this isn't really a big deal, right? Or yeah, they made that statement, but they didn't really mean anything by it, right? So we have all of this happening when in the background, there are a lot of microaggressions happening and sometimes not, not so micro, right? Sometimes they are more blatant, like, you know, I'm asking for feedback and you tell me, go clean my desk. Like, what? what? I'd be like, wait, wait, what? That's not what I'm expecting. And so what do we do, Roz? And what's your reaction to that? 
I'm gonna give you a reaction to that because when I saw it, I became hot as fish grease because the second young lady, you could see in her body language how it impacted her. She wasn't looking at the camera when she talked about it. She kept looking down. Just what somebody did to her changed her mindset, changed the way she thought about herself, changed the way she even talked, her position with her body. Her hands were folded in front of her, holding her head down. What have we done to someone that would do that much damage in such a short period of time? I want to I go back to what Dr. Dr. Charlie said about with the children. I can remember that my brother is left-handed. And my grandmother, for the longest, tried to make him right-handed. And I'm saying this for a reason. It's because this goes back to what we said when we were small, how people tried to push us. And my grandmother kept trying to push, no, I don't want you to be different. I don't want you to be different. I don't want the kids to pick on you. But how do we know him being left-handed would not make him the president of the United States or of some MIT company? Because he was different, that side of the brain was, we didn't cope. My grandmother didn't embrace it, but my mother did. So it was kind of a, you know, push and tug between the, you know, you know, the women, <laughs> the matriarch and the mother. But, but what I'm saying is things like that. If your child was left-handed, I don't want you to be ostracized and picked on because you're left-handed. Because you're thinking differently, because you're speaking differently, I want I want to push you this way so you'll get the least resistance. No, we need for you to speak out so that things will change. Mm -hmm. That's the purpose. Yeah. Us being different is when we have to speak out. And we have got to stop. And this was going back to what Dr. Sali said. It starts at home. And if we don't fertilize that growth, if we don't cultivate that growth, if we don't help them learn what, what they want to be when they're small, then when they get older, we have problems. Mm -hmm. Just like this woman now, she has problems. Yeah. Her entire body language, Roz, and you're so right how you picked up on that. Her it's entire so body language was, was closed. and. Um, but there's so much as we think about uh, what we're doing to the children and and the what we're doing then and how that oh, translates adults. to adults. Yeah, translate. So Casey, uh, yesterday we were on a call and uh, and then someone said, I can't recall who exactly said it, Casey, but uh, it was what I what I I think it was a gentleman by Marcel. He was actually in the audience last week for us. I think Marcel said what I tolerate won't change. What I tolerate won't change. So it is up to us collectively to be able to start speaking up, to use our voice, to not be afraid. Well, if I say this, if I push back on this, I'm going to lose my job or, you know, or, or I'm going to, you know, really not be considered for this upcoming project. Right. Regina's out there. She said, good morning. Good morning, Regina. Thanks for tuning in. Um, and so, you know, it's one of those things, right? We have to push past some of our own internal insecurities that have come about just by the way that society views us as women and what they think we should be doing. And they have this, uh, judgments about all of that. So what are some strategies? What can we do? A young girl comes to you and says, you know what? I want to go into um, the STEM and uh Field. I want to be an engineer. You know, I want to be an astronaut. Um, is there something that we can do to prepare them? And um, Dr. Shali, I'll start with you first. And um, because you touched on it, I think earlier, as you talked about fostering that sense of creativity, you know, and then Raj, you're also saying, you know, teaching them that the difference can make you an incredibly valuable uh, person on the team. So Dr. Shelley, what, what are some suggestions or strategies um, that people can use to begin to break into this male dominated industry? So I would like to say Rhonda that, um, I would like to borrow the words of Picasso, wherein he said that every child is born an artist, but the challenge remains whether he would remain an artist when he or she grows up. Mm -hmm. So that is the greatest challenge. So I think all children, irrespective of gender, they are born innately creative and inherently inquisitive and curious. 
So it is our responsibility as parents, as educators, and as responsible adults to nurture that creative genius, to nurture those talents and capabilities and abilities, you know, to nurture and hone them so that they can actually evolve into the very best, into the very highest, and into the very truest version of themselves. So the responsibility lies with us. I would just like to give you one example here which is uh, which is very thought-provoking in the sense that when, when I say that it all starts right from the very childhood, it all starts from our home environment. So consider the fact when we color stereotype children with pink and blue, you know, with boys being identified with the color blue and girls being identified with the color pink. Right at the very outset, we give dolls to the girls to play with and we give cards and uh, you know guns to the boys to play with even if you consider the case of the fairy tales and how those narratives actually shape our minds and our stereotypes the fairy tales always propagate and show a heroine who is beautiful preferably white and slim and very kind but is completely helpless waiting for a prince or a knight to save herself mm -hmm. and the female who has a lot of intelligence and has a lot of ambitions is often projected as somebody who is a villain you see so this is something which is very important so are we going to let our daughters believe that in order to be beautiful you have to be slim and white mm. is this that we are going to teach them are we going to teach them that if you are ambitious, if you want a whole lot of things for yourself, if you want, if you are intelligent, society is going to categorize you as a villain? So is this that we are going to teach them? So it all starts right from the very beginning, right from the very outset. Also, I would like to mention that it is undoubtedly a fact that the gender pay gaps are a reality right mm -hmm. especially when it comes to the stem fields these pay gaps have to be bridged effectively by committing to equal pay practices Absolutely. in the workplace mm -hmm. another dimension to consider is offering benefits that support working women since women are often forced to choose at significant phases of their lives they're forced to choose work or family while we have to we have to remember that men they do not necessarily have this added pressure on them. So organizations should definitely consider offering benefits that help to retain and engage women at career points where work-life balance becomes a possibility, a reality. Also, in order to do that, I feel that women must be an integral part of the decision-making body in an organization by suitably representing herself in a leadership role mm -hmm. where these gender perspectives can be effectively addressed and resolved. Yeah. So women have to be in those leadership roles. So it all starts right from the basic, right from our home environment. It goes right at the top, you know, where we have to see women there because if you have to bring this gender neutral perspectives in the workplace, then women must have that choice and voice. But where will they uh, exercise those choice and voice unless they are placed in that leadership role? So Dr. Shali, um, so I'm thinking about my own culpability now, <laughs> right? Um, as a mother of three sons. So, um, and also before I get into that, I wanna acknowledge Carissa. Hey, Carissa, thank you so much for tuning in. I love this topic, ladies. My husband and I talk about this all the time. This is upfront and close in our lives every single day. So much so that we don't even think about it, right? So as a mother of three sons, I did exactly that. Everything was blue. <laughs> right? Um, they had cars and trucks. I didn't allow guns in my home because my, I have black men and I'm just like, no, 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 no. We can't do that because a toy gun uh, for a young black boy is not the same as for a young white boy for sure. Um, and so, uh, so all of these stereotypes, all of these, um, my ex-husband, was a tough guy, right? And, and I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I mean that that was the stereotypical, if you are a guy, you gotta be tough, 
right? You got to be tough. You got to be strong. You know, don't be too emotional, all of this. So I look back now and I'm thinking, oh no, I'm a part of the problem. <laughs> I am a part of the problem. So Marae, help me not be a part of the problem. <laughs> and, and, I, and I love that because at the end of the day, we're looking outside, but we are part of the problem. We are raising those children. Yep. And we need to get, you know, the right attitude, make them to have the right mindset. So if you have boys, it starts with how you raise your boys as well, this problem. Mm -hmm. It's not just about addressing, you know, the problem from uh, the, your girl's side. No, it starts with the, you know, your, the boys that you are raising. Make them understand that, you know, women or girls that they're going to meet can actually also get into areas where you know it it, it was supposedly you know uh, um, labeled as only boys or, or or men areas and and that's that's one very important aspect is that as moms if you have boys it start now mm -hmm. educate your boys to respect the woman educate your boys to respect the choice that any girls of women they're gonna you know uh, uh, meet in their life and, and, and that's, that's where it starts because you can't just, you know, address the problem from one part. You have to address it from both sides side. and then we can, we can get something to happen. And, and that's exactly what's happening as well in, in, a, in a professional setting is, you know, when you are in a situation where, you know, uh, you're not respected or you're put down, you have, to you have to raise your voice, find a way to address it and find a way for the person who actually disrespecting you to be, you know, uh, to be conscious of what they're actually generating. It, it, you can try to do it with him, and if, if not possible, go to a, any authority. It has to be addressed because if you leave it, it's, it, it, nothing is going to happen and it's going to continue. So it's, it's a very important thing to do. And that's where we have, as women, we should focus on what we can control. And, you know, the education of our children, we can control. When we, when we, we get people disrespecting us, we have a voice, we can control our voice, we have to use it. So really focus on what we can control instead of mm. getting frustrated, waiting for men to do this and that. No, they're not going to do it. it everything, it's, it's, it's good for them. So we have to be strategic and know, okay, what, what ammunition do we have? We have our voice, we, we have a lot of women as well, so how do we go across and, and, and get this message so that people understand that we also, you know, we, we, are, we are strong, yes, but we also valuable, we bring something, and this something that we bring is not just for us, it's for, it's for everybody, it's for society. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's why I always, you know, ask women who are actually doing well in those, in those uh, sectors to, to tell their story and to come out because we, they, the, the, the next generation of women who are trying to come in, they want to have those stories and see what are the mistakes you've made and how you've been able to address them. And if you've not been able to address them, how they can you know, uh, find a way to address them. And that's the way you progress because if you keep it for, to yourself and if you don't speak up, you don't share your story, you know, how, how are they going, you know, how those women are going to, to, uh, to find you know, a voice themselves. So that's, yeah. that's really important. I think so, Marae, and we do have to encourage that um, for, for us to be able to find the voice, but we've got to do that by uh, sharing and our experiences matter the way that we share them. So Casey said, the stereotyping behavior that we all give into speaks to the power of the human need to belong. That drive is often unconsciously dictating our decisions, wow. right? So even as parents, Right, we are doing these things not to um, hurt other people, but because we want to ensure that our children have that sense of belonging. So, how can you belong in the boys' club if you're a young boy? Well, here's what little boys do, right? So we teach them that right from the beginning. We try to teach them how to belong, uh, but in doing so, it can be damaging. It can be damaging to others. 
it can create those toxic environments. Um, and one of the reasons why I love talking about this topic on this show is because we really talk a lot about leadership. And I wanna just bring in, and I'm gonna ask you all as we move to the wrap up segment, I'm gonna ask you to address it from a leadership perspective also, because I do believe that um, I hear so much of, yes, we want to get more women in and we want to keep our women. Well, who are these leaders at the top and what are you actually doing to make that happen? What are you doing to create safe environments? What are you doing to create inclusivity and really enhance the belonging of everyone, right? So, uh, so we are going to move to, gosh, I can't believe the time has gone so fast. So uh, Roz, I'm going to come to you first for the wrap up, your takeaways and what leaders uh, should be doing in this regard. Uh, so, but we're going to go now to, as we do our wrap up segment, we're going to move to the what's in your cup segment, right? And uh, we've got our new fancy little cup uh, that pops up here. And um, we are going to really talk about what did we put in our cup today? Right? What are the takeaways that we added that we can then share with others and enhance? So Roz, let's start with you first um, as we go to this. What are some takeaways and what should leaders be doing? One of my takeaways is when uh, uh, Doc talked about we have choices and voices. We have to understand that now women can go from the bedroom to the boardroom. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so they were used to keeping us in the bedroom and in the house, but now the doors have to open for us to get to the boardroom. So leaders have to understand that we can get off of our backs and we can work on our feet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And, we and do. It's, so, it's so important that they are opening those doors. So one of the things you said is those doors have to be opened. They have to open them and then we have to open them. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we collectively have to be working together to open those doors. And if there's someone on the other side of the door holding it closed or locking it, you know, to keep you out, because um, there's a fear. There is a fear with bringing more women at that executive level, at those leadership levels, particularly in STEM, because it shifts the dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. They like the but dynamic the way that it is. But there's also, too, why are you so intimidated by us coming in the boardroom? Mm -hmm. why are you so intimidated okay yeah. like i said if we can handle the house if we can handle the bedroom we don't sure can handle the boardroom right right so if so if you're not intimidated by us at home if we can rock it at home we can rock it in the boardroom yeah and i don't know why there's such an intimidation when a woman walks into the room yeah we're going to change the atmosphere because we have different thoughts right you know we have different makeup anyway, you know, you know, the way we're made up, but it doesn't mean that we can't add and help to grow a company. Mm -hmm. I'm done speaking because I can keep going like in Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we know we already know there's the stats on this is clear, right? When you add diversity of all types, women exactly. diversity, women of color, men of color, when you add diversity, those organizations are more profitable. That has been pretty well documented. So, um, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe the fear is that I have to change the way that I speak or I may be able to be rough and tumble or mean or um, and, you know, I won't use a bad word, but <laughs> I may have. It came to, it popped in my head, but it did come out of my mouth. See how I use my emotional intelligence right at that I'm moment? I'm so proud of you. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is really important for us to understand those things. So, um, Roz, uh, before, I mean, uh, Marae, we're going to come to you next for your closing thoughts and the what's in your cup. What have we put in your cup and what are you sharing with others? Casey says it's more comfortable to keep people out than mm -hmm. examining our own fears and insecurities. Thank you exactly. for adding that. And and it's a comfort thing, right? They're in their comfort zone. So, Marae, what are your key takeaways and, and thoughts that you want to share? I, I really like what uh, what we, you just shared about insecurity. And it's, it's insecurity in both sides. So insecurity from the men's side to see that, you know, a woman being intimidated and and, and uh, that's you know rose really described it well but there's also insecurity from our own side and uh, I, and i talk 
because I've been guilty of that, is that you come into this, you know, environment where there are men, you want to sit at the back, you know, because you don't want to be noticed in a way. And uh, that's where you are. And then when you have meeting, you're the first one or they ask you to take the minutes and then you don't, you don't push back. You don't say, I don't want to take the minutes because you're the woman, they want you to take the minutes. So at the beginning, that's what I was doing. And I said, but no. I don't have to do that. When I go in a meeting, if I go in a boardroom, I'm going to sit at, you know, at the front so that they see me and I'm going to participate in every single discussion. And then when are they going to ask me to take the minute, I'm going to say, no, I'm not here. I'm not a secretary. I'm an engineer or I'm a leader exactly. here. It's not my job to take, you know, the, the, to, to take the minutes. So take your power, you know, take, step into your power, speak up. And, and I think when you speak up, they understand. They understand that, you know, uh, it's a different mindset. They're dealing with diversity and they can't just impose things on you. So make sure you understand the power that you have and, and really step into your power. And that's, that's really, you know, the, what I take from all of this is that sometimes we forget that we, we are powerful. We forget that we are powerful and, we, we, and, and, that's, and that's fear, that's, you know, uh, whatever uh, we can call it because we want to belong. No, step into your power, believe in yourself and speak up, speak up because otherwise you will not survive. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And and then you get that leaky pipeline, which is exactly, exactly. what we talked about at the beginning. Well, you think, well, this is too hard. They're being mean to me. They won't allow me to use my voice. I can't participate. So I'm just going to leave. And then, mm -hmm. and then I, then in a sense, they win, right? They yeah. get to maintain the status quo, which is really what they want. So mm -hmm. um, Dr. Shali, I'm going to come to you for your final thoughts in a second. And then I'll also ask how anyone can learn more about you or the work that you do, if you want to share a way for folks to connect. Um, so Regina said, yes, step into your power. We all have it. We often give it away, mm -hmm. right? We give our power away. And then mom said, uh, in different ways, you have all expressed that women holding back begins early in life. It can lead to low self-esteem or very high professionalism. So we, we get the choice, right? We get to mm -hmm. do that. So, so Dr. Shali, your final thoughts and takeaways. Yeah. So my takeaways would be, uh, it is not important what society expects out of women. Rather, it is very important what we expect out of us. Mm -hmm. And I also think that uh, the real fight is never outside of us. It's always within us. So the day women realize the fact that the real fight is always within us, that is the day that they will actually, you know, they will truly succeed, be it in professional field or be it in a personal endeavors. Right. Every time a woman stands up for herself and she's able to fulfill her dreams, her passion, her ambition, she's actually standing up for all the women. And even in this 21st century present context, I would like to leave all of you with a thought-provoking question that should be realizing all that we have been doing and realizing all that we should be doing, should we still align ourselves with a system that forces our daughters as well as women to follow and not to lead, to fit in instead of stand out, Ooh. to conform instead of challenging the status quo? Should we continue doing that? Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Shali. And if people want to learn more about your story or the work that you're doing, is there a website or somewhere where any, where they can contact you or follow you? Uh, I am actually very, very active on LinkedIn. So anybody wants to be connected with me, please get connected with me through LinkedIn. I'm very active in that platform. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That was fantastic. So uh, Regina said, yes, from the bedroom to the boardroom. See, Ross, she had to think about that one for a minute. <laughs> and then 
uh, she also said, hashtag the real fight is always inside of us. You know, this has been, I think, a really good discussion because we have to have these conversations, right? We have to bring this forward. We have to share our experiences, our thoughts, and more importantly, strategies. You know, when I look at leaders in the STEM industry, it is, yes, there may be a lot that was missing along from the time we are raising our children and they're going to school, but you are now in a position of power. You are now in a position of authority and you can decide the culture that you want to set and create in your organization. You can decide to actively go out and pursue women who are smart, strong, talented, brilliant, and beautiful, right? That should not be intimidating. Right. That is a plus and an added value to your organization. So leaders out there in STEM, it's time to step up. Stop losing your amazing, beautiful women to whatever crazy culture is happening. Um, and the only way you know what's really happening is to ask. You've got to ask. Don't assume, oh, we have a great culture here. Do you? Have you asked the question? And then once you do ask the question, you have absolutely got to be prepared for the answer. Right. You've got to take the answer. You got to listen and you got to own that and be willing to step forward and do something with it. So I've enjoyed this conversation. This has been wonderful, uh, as always. So before we forget, we've got to hold up our cups for our parting shot. Got it. Wonderful. Thank you all so much. This is fantastic for my panel. Stay tuned for a moment. For everyone else out there, I hope we have given you something to think about in terms of, as I said earlier, your own culpability, right? We all play a part in the society. What are we doing and how can we contribute? So we look forward to seeing you back here next week for another episode of the Coffee with Rhonda show. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for watching the Coffee with Rhonda show. You can catch live episodes Saturdays, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. And if you are curious about leadership above the grind, you can download your copy of the Stress-Free Leader ebook at stressfreeleaders.com. Until next time.